feel like cooking, right? And you're hoping that wherever you go out to eat, they can cook better than you can anyway, right? So you go out there, it's like, and you go eat there. In a lot of ways, coming to church is like that. Lord willing, if you go to a, a church where God is loved and his word is valued, you're going to hear somebody who spends their whole life cooking for people, chef it up for you, right? But you got to eat at home because if all you ever do is eat out once a week, that's your only meal for the week, you're not going to be a healthy person. There's a saying, old habits die hard, and it's so true. We were all born into patterns and cultural expectations that may or may not line up with the Bible. And it's a daily battle to stay on the right path. But as Pastor Daniel reminds us today, as believers, we have the benefit of constant renewal through the Spirit. We have to make that choice, though, to keep in the Word and give up our old habits. Now, here's Daniel in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 22, with part two of our message entitled, Style the Mess. Moodness is, I shouldn't be okay with what I do, but I am so far past feeling that I just do it openly and outwardly, and I don't even care. Now, I don't want to be, you know, like kind of alarmist, But that sure sounds a little bit like the culture that we live in, doesn't it? Where we live in a day and age where people, 50 years ago, people would never do this stuff in public. And now it's like, man, what's the problem? What's the problem? This is the problem. Because the reason we live in a culture that can do things outwardly that other generations would never do is not because we've become more conscious or more spiritual, or more aware, we've just become more callous and ignorant to who God is. And that's why it's the way that it is. That's why we need to be put off by our former style. Because I'm here to tell you, every single one of us find ourselves in these verses. In different ways. Every one of us, before Jesus, was this. We had thoughts that were futile. It gave way to a darkened understanding. Because we had this darkened understanding, we were alienated from the life of God. We end up living this stuff out with lewdness and uncleanness. So we need to be put off by that. We're saying, look, I'm leaving that. And know what I love about the Bible is the Bible just doesn't say, okay, look, you guys are all jacked up. Your culture's jacked up. Sorry. Have a good day. Enjoy it while you're here. The Bible doesn't say that, does it? But the Bible, like a good surgeon, identifies the problem before the prescription is given. Do you see that? Could you imagine if a doctor came in and says, look, i got to put you into surgery right now. What's your next question? Why? And then if the doctor tells you why, then maybe you go get a second opinion or whatever. But the reason the surgery has to happen is because you understand what the problem is. And so the Bible is very clear. This is the diagnosis. This is the problem. And now I'm going to give you the solution. I'm going to recommend the surgery. And then it shifts in verse 20 because it says, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, verse 22, the old man who grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, 
and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So just as before we were supposed to be put off by our former style, now we have your new style is Jesus style. Your new style is Jesus style. Your new style is Jesus style. Now let me explain to you how I got that because it's beautiful. The Apostle Paul tells his church, listen, don't be the way you used to be. Don't be the way that you were raised. Right? Be totally different. And then in verse 20, he says, but you have not so learned Christ. Look at verse 21. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. The reason that the church in Ephesus and you and I change is because of Jesus. Not only is the truth in Jesus, we've learned Jesus, we've heard him, we've been taught by him, and the truth is in him. So the life of a follower of Jesus is Christocentric, Jesus-centered. And all of the changes that happen in our lives come from the reality of who Jesus is and what he's done and how he is working in and through our lives. That's why we talk here a lot about simply responding to Jesus, right? Because at every moment of your life, because Jesus is real, he is asking us to not be the way we are normally or the way we were raised to be, but be completely different. Because depending on how we were raised, maybe, maybe some of you grew up in really godly homes, but your parents, they loved the Lord, but they were pretty judgmental of everybody else. And that's the downside of growing up in a godly family, is oftentimes Satan always finds a way in. He's really good at this. So you have people, they love the Lord, but you, you look at you like, man, everybody just isn't quite godly enough for you. So you were raised in a good home, but now you have this judgmental spirit, which Jesus doesn't like at all. I mean, he died to save us from judgment, so why are we judging people? So everybody's got, and so he asked each one of us, listen, because of who Jesus is, you need to be put off by the way you used to be, and you're going to be a completely new person. You have to function differently. But Christianity is not some sort of Jesus-centered self-help either. And we're going to get to that. I have nothing against self-help. I actually don't. Because if you have a destructive behavior and you can substitute a destructive behavior with a not destructive behavior, that's a good step. I would never talk down on, hey, I used to do this thing and now I don't do it anymore. I, behavior modification is not bad, but I would also say it's not enough. Behavior modification is not bad, but it is not enough. And that is why, with each passing year, the self-help section in the bookstores gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Because behavior modification is not bad, it's just not enough. Just like with our kids, how many of you are raising children and you realize, oftentimes we just want behavior modification, but God's doing a deeper work. God is asking us to do heart work, not just behavior work. We're content with the behavior change. Don't get me wrong. But behavior modification is not enough. God wants something deeper. So when we realize that God wants something deeper, the, the Jesus-centeredness of this new style is very profound. Because Jesus isn't content just to change, like we used to do this, now we do this. Jesus wants to do a way deeper work, and we're going to get to that in a moment. But notice what it says. Because it's Jesus-centered, he's the subject matter. He is the instructor what you get from verses 
20 and 21. And then in verse 22, we get this progression that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. So you put off the old man and then be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So notice the progression, verses 22, 23, and 24. You're to put off, verse 22. Verse 23, you're to be renewed. And then verse 24, we're to put on. So put off, be renewed, put on. That's the progression. In a lot of ways, it's like imagine your child comes in or you come in, you've been working outside, you're just trashed. You got mud from head to toe. Your clothes are just trashed, right? Not only should you take those clothes off, what should you do in, the, in between before you put the new clothes on? Take a shower. That's right. You guys heard of this? Your cleanliness next to godliness, yeah? I mean, you can take the old dirty clothes off and just throw new ones on, and you kind of look clean, but you're really not clean, right? It's like you are, but you're really still kind of gross underneath there. And eventually that stuff comes out, right? So you put off, and then you be renewed, and then you put on, and it's the same thing. So behavior modification is that you used to just do nasty stuff, and you're kind of nasty, and now you just change your clothes, but you're still dirty on the inside. That's the difference between self-help and following Jesus. Because Jesus says, look, I want you to put off the old garbage clothes. I want it. I want to renew you. I want to cleanse you. I want to change you. And then I want you to put on a new set of garments. True cleansing. True cleaning. True cleaning. Now, what's interesting is in these verses here, we're putting off the old man, which we talked about. And then we're going to be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man. Now, you notice those two news in there. We're renewed. And then we're putting on the new man. In the Greek, there's two words for being new. First word is called kainos, which speaks of being new in the sense of being fresh or being distinctive. And then the second word, neos, speaks of being brand new, speaks of being young, like a newborn. So one is the idea of being refreshed and the other is a sense of being completely new. Now, what's interesting here is that we have this idea of being renewed, which is one of those verbs, and then the idea of being new is the other one. It's fascinating. So the idea of being renewed in the spirit of your mind speaks of constantly being made fresh. It's not a distinctive one-time newness. It's a we're constantly coming back and being washed again and again and again. I believe that's why people come to church. Because we're a family, and the reason we hear the Bible taught and why, as a church, we've made a commitment to teach the Bible, because we realize that every single week, this is a chance for God's truth to renew our minds. How many of us come to church at the end of a week, or we come into the midweek, and you're like, man, I started the week great, and I'm starting to skid down the slope now? Because everything about our lives bombards us with one set of ways to view the world, and then you come to church, and you get a completely different view of the world, right? In our normal lives, it's like, go, 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 go. And then you come to church and you hear this whole other set of truths and ideals. And so part of not only coming to church, but daily getting in the word, daily getting into prayer, reading devotions, all these things that we do as Christians, it's about the continual renewal, the refreshment of our minds, because if we are not constantly injecting an alternative stimulation into our minds, we're just going to fall right back in to the patterns that we were raised in. 
That's why the Bible, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, we'll get to that in Ephesians 6. The one offensive thing that we have is the Bible. Because the Bible teaches us a new way to think, a new way to live. It says, oh, listen, yeah, you do it that way, but I want you to be this way instead. And we need it. And not only, not only at church, God has given all of us his spirit. I always say that coming to church is like getting a gourmet meal if, it's, if a pastor does a good job. It's like eating out, right? Some people are just have the gift of cooking. And I've been trying to not use so many food references because I've been stumbling all you guys and gals. I'm always talking about food. And they're like, man, Pastor Daniel, come to church. I'm so hungry. I'm gaining weight since I'm going to Crossroads. <laughs> You're talking about cannolis, and I tried one of those things. And those, see, I wasn't even going to talk about food. Darn. I got, I got on a roll there. Okay. <laughs> you go out to eat because you don't feel like cooking, right? And you're hoping that wherever you go out to eat, they can cook better than you can anyway, right? So you go out there, it's like, and you go eat there. In a lot of ways, coming to church is like that. Lord willing, if you go to a, a church where God is loved and his word is valued, you're going to hear somebody who spends their whole life cooking for people, chef it up for you, right? But you got to eat at home, because if all you ever do is eat out once a week, that's your only meal for the week, you're not going to be a healthy person. You got to eat every day, every day. So this idea of we're putting off the moment, we're being renewed in the spirit of mind, this is a continuous action. And what's interesting is that verb is in the continuous, the present continuous tense in the Greek, which means keep being renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that's why how many of us, we get really committed to Jesus. We're like, man, I'm going to study. I'm going to walk with the Lord. I'm going to worship. And you do it for a while, but then all of a sudden you stop and you find yourself right back where you used to be. Anybody ever have that experience other than me? We all have, right? Because we need that constant, constant renewing that comes by the Holy Spirit into the spirit of our minds. We need to keep, we need to keep abrupting what is the normal grooves of our thoughts and minds that we were given by socialization? We need to keep abrupting that and, and jamming into that what God is thinking. And then over time, then that becomes the way that we think and we keep renewing and undergirding and strengthening it. So you see what happens? We're putting off the old person and then we're letting God's word and God's heart renew us every single day. And then you get to verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So we put off, we're continually renewed, and then we put on that new man. And that word new there, that means totally young, recreation, born again. And what's interesting is in the Greek, that putting on, it's a one-time decisive action. And that speaks of when you get saved, when you get justified, which means I used to be guilty. Now, because of Jesus, I am not guilty. That's a one-time happening. Now, listen, if you're in here today and you've never made that one-time decision to say, I am following Jesus, you need to do that today. You don't want to leave here this morning without doing that. Why? Because that is the whole enchilada for you. You have one get-out-of-jail-free card, and that is Jesus. And we don't get out of jail free so we can just act, so we can go back to jail. We need that get out of jail free card. That's a one-time decisive happening. One time you say, I'm saying yes to Jesus. I want to be born again. And that begins a walk. That begins the process of letting your mind being renewed every day. But it begins with saying, I want this. Now, some people say, oh, you know, you shouldn't preach for decisions. And I don't believe that at all. 
We need to preach for decisions. We need to live for decisions because no one becomes a disciple without making a decision to be a disciple. The last thing you want anyone to think is, oh, I got saved in church on Sunday. Now I'm just going to go crazy because I'm saved. You ever ever see the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah. I love when that guy gets saved. He goes in the waters of baptism. He thinks that the law is not looking for him anymore. He's like, I've been forgiven by the Lord. You know? It's like, well, no, no. Yeah, God's forgiven you, but you still owe a debt to society, buddy. So we need to make sure. We need to make sure that not only are we being renewed every day, but we've made that decision. And now listen to some of you. You've made that decision, and like everybody else, life's messy. And you're, you're struggling through life. Just because you're struggling doesn't mean you didn't make the decision or the decision didn't take or you got to get born again, 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 and again, and again. doesn't mean that. God never promised that when you get saved, everything was going to be peachy keen, hunky-dory, and the hokey-pokey is that's what it's all about. He never says that. He never says it's just everything's going to be a slip and slide. It's easy. Woo! It never says that. Actually, it says the exact opposite. In this world, you will have tribulation, but what? But be of good cheer and overcome the world. He's telling his disciples, listen, it's hard being alive, but I've overcome this world. And because I have overcome, you are more than conquerors. So if you're here today and you love Jesus, you put your faith and trust in him, but life is just hard. You're white-knuckling parts of it. Be encouraged. Jesus is still, he saved you. But we only grow the most on the hard days, right? Isn't that what life's taught us? We love the free gifts. We love the ease. We'll take it when God gives it. But no one grows the most on the sunny days as much as we like them. It's through the valley. It's through, we only have to walk by faith when? When we got to walk by faith. When sight doesn't help us. And we don't like those times. I mean, nobody wants to say, oh, Lord, make my life a mess so I can see how faithful you are. Don't pray that way, please. I mean, we love you, and, and, and we'll come and love on you in the midst of that, but don't ask for, like, Lord, make me walk by faith, because then you're walking by faith, and that's hard. But when you walk in a time that you need to trust the living God, and you see what he has done, then you're like, man, God is really faithful. He brought me through this, and I've grown in the process. But most of us, right, we know that we need to walk by faith, but we really just don't want to do it. But that's where we realize who God is. Think about the children, the disciples, when they're with Jesus in the boat. Remember, the storm kicks up. It happens a couple times. Every time, every time they end up in the boat and it's getting rocked around, they always learn who they are, which is they don't trust God very much, and who God is, that he is infinitely faithful. That's always the lesson of the storms of life, that God is faithful and we are not, but he loves us still. And so listen, I say all these things just to simply remind us that just because we're saved doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. Sometimes it's even harder, but we're saved. God has taken off the old life full of deceitful lusts and all these things, and he's renewing us, and he's putting us in the new clothes. He's putting us in the new clothes. And that's why I said, let your new style, of course, be Jesus' style, why? Because notice the characteristics of this, that you put on the new man, verse 24, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. That's the Jesus style right there. It's created 
according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, every time you find these two words together, righteousness and holiness, you have to realize that when that put together from a, a Hebraic sense, it always means rightness is of the right living before people and holiness is right living before God. So it's an integrated life that is both right before humanity and right before the living God. And that is Jesus style right there because Jesus lived rightly in the world and he always did those things that pleased his father. And so the new style that God has given us one time and he's renewing us every single day in is Jesus style. It's right living before humanity and God. Now, when I say right living before humanity, I need to make the case, of course. I need to make the case that humanity may not like the way that we're living. It's not about doing it so that people say, oh, yeah, that's the way you're supposed to live. It's about we do it before God and before people. And it reminds me of 2 Corinthians, right? 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what? He is a new creation, Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This verse is beautiful. If anyone's in Christ, the translation says he is a new creation, but literally it's if anyone's in Christ, new creation. The he is is inserted to make a correct English sentence. But in the Greek, if anyone's in Christ, new creation. Old things have passed away. All things becoming new. That's exactly what we're talking about here. We put off the old life, we put off by the former style, and we put on that Jesus style. It's all about Jesus, right before God, holy before God, right before humanity. That's the style that God's people want. So now as we move in to verse 25 and following, we start getting examples of the old life, some specifics, okay? We have four specifics that the Apostle Paul is using examples of the old life and then showing us what the new life is meant to look like. So look at it, verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun down, go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Third, verse 28, let him who steal, steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. And then four, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And then kind of a summary statement, verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, remember I said... The Bible's not into self-help. Changing a bad behavior with a not-so-bad or a better behavior, it's not bad, it's not enough. These verses teach us that. Because you're going to notice the three-step process from the putting off what used to be, being renewed, which is the adding in a better behavior, but it moves past that to this new life that's in Christ. I wanted to thank you so much for listening in at Jesus is Real Radio. I am blessed and humbled that you would take the time and you would grow alongside of this. Now listen, the teaching on Christian Radio, it's amazing. Praise God for all the teaching. But listen, just receiving 
God's word is not God's design for you as a disciple. It just didn't say, listen, if you want to be my disciple, I want you to listen to good Christian teaching. Jesus, in effect, said, listen, if you want to be my disciple, I want you to be part of the family of God, the people of God, the church. Now, listen. Believe me, I know church is not easy. There's all sorts of people at church. Sometimes things don't go well. I know for many of you, you probably have church baggage because you got hurt or something went on. But listen, God designed a community of believers, a congregation to be the primary way that we are discipled. And so listen, you need to be involved in a local church. God wants you to be growing with a group of people. You need to be in a church that teaches God's word unashamedly, not one that's going to make excuses. You need to be in a church where the pastor's going to say things that you're not going to like. Why? Because then you go to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? You need to be in a church with people who aren't exactly like you. Because in church, when iron is sharpening iron and you're getting rubbed a unique way by someone who you wouldn't normally hang out with, God will do something amazing. So listen, if you're in the Portland, Vancouver metro area, come join us here at Crossroads. But wherever you are, find a good church, not only because God wants you to, but because God wants you to be blessed there and God wants to use your gifts as a blessing in the people of God. God bless you.